0: Welcome to another episode of Imparting. We have with us today Aaron Hicks, Chris Mordecai, and Israel Makambu. Welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. I'd like to start off with uh, our theme verse because I think it fits well with our subject today. Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. And I think it fits well as we start to talk about the practicals of evangel- evangelism in the workplace. And uh, what I'd like to specifically get into today is what do those conversations look like? How can we um, engender discussion by building relationships and asking questions in a post-Christian, post-modern society where people's defenses are up about any sort of convictional truth? So I don't think coming through the back door is the way, but I do think coming through the front door relationally is. So uh, what do you guys think? What should we start with?
1: Well I guess what we're really talking about here is how to turn a conversation is that that's it where we're going how to
0: turn a conversation okay okay
1: um, well if if all scripture is uh, is uh, sufficient uh, for for godliness and in any life situation uh, then technically any any conversation should be able to be turned towards a gospel conversation right
0: okay so let me back up a little bit I'm gonna play devil's advocate okay. here uh what do we often hear especially at church Chris uh, you know, you talk to someone. Hey, so how's it going? Who did you witness to this week? Or how were your gospel conversations? Well, I'm really praying for an an opportunity, an opportunity, and I'm praying for an opportunity. And I, I don't remember who used to tell me this, but um, you know, if you're in the same room with someone and they have a pulse, there's your opportunity. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now that doesn't mean we're a bull in a china closet, but sure, we could turn a conversation. Right. That's right. Okay. Um, and let's
1: talk, I mean, easy ones, easy ways to turn conversations, I think, uh, is whatever's going on in the news, whatever's going on in pop culture, um, especially politics. Uh, you don't have to get into the the debating, uh, which side of, of the aisle you you fall upon. Um, but you can talk about the things that are going on in the world, uh, regarding politics. Yeah. Um, just, just an example the other day um, I legitimately was frustrated, uh, with my government. Imagine that. And (laughs) as I'm sure most people are, uh, at any point in time in history, um, and just frustrated at decisions leaders are making and, and, you know, I'm, I'm driving to work and I'm, I'm finding myself frustrated. I'm like, well, first of all, this, I should not be starting my day frustrated at my government. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, my focus is wrong. Um, but I realize this about myself that I'm just frustrated that it's not heaven on earth. Okay. That's right? a good way to put it. Yeah. Right. And so, um, I was just talking to a friend coworker just about this, this concept that, you know what? I realized that I'm just, I just want it to be heaven and it's not heaven and I'm frustrated about it. I want my leaders to be perfect. Right. And then that is obviously the transition to, well, aren't, aren't we thankful that one day we will be, with our perfect King. And so I was able to transition into that conversation. That's great. Looking forward to a real hope, not a a hope in in man
0: here on earth. All right. That's a good way. Anyone else? Israel, since you're always talking football, is there a way to find Christ in football?
2: Yeah. If you think about the (laughs) best soccer player in the world, Lionel Messi, and realizing that he too has imperfections... You can always say that in the gospel, (laughs) there's there's probably a connection somewhere. There's probably connection. (laughs) But um, I think that the first thing um, in in, in turning conversations, probably I would would backtrack and, and, and go with our lives should always loudly proclaim the gospel. And I don't mean this in the new modern age saying that if you just saw my life, then you would believe the gospel. That's not the case. I think that we actually have to be vocal about why we do things. Uh, I know the last podcast we just talked about, um, you know, sharing the gospel at work with our coworkers. But I think that even in our words, we we need to be so um, in the word of God that we're able to, even in conversations with unbelievers, Quote scripture to them.
0: Yeah. So so let's lay that out a little bit. If if we have surface relationships on one end of the spectrum, and we know that the desired goal would be conversion, right. right? And we know God converts, right? But that God converts, God grants the gifts of faith and repentance through the instrumentality of His Word. Correct. Which means we've got we don't win people through conversation. We don't win people through apologetics. Uh, People get saved by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So really what we're talking about is how do I go from casual relationships to being able to share the word of God and watch God work? Well, it's interesting. In this verse here, verse 8, it says, having so fond an affection for you. So I think we have to draw near to people in relationship. So let's put ourselves back in uh, these situations again how do you turn a a regular conversation whether it be about politics or sports or whatever else personal what about that that first base of getting personal with someone
3: yeah I think we also have to take advantage of the opportunities that are given on a silver platter that we don't normally recognize meaning mm-hmm. every morning I know when I go into work I'm gonna go through a turnstile I'm gonna pass one security guard that's behind the desk or behind glass, and he's going to wave to me, so I'll wave back. And then I'll go into my lobby, and I will be greeted by a security guard that will ask me about my weekend every Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, Christians don't feel like they can talk about what their weekends really consist of. Um, Mine, personally, is mostly church with a little bit of home projects. And so being invited to ask, hey, how was your weekend, Aaron? I can... I can openly share. Hey, can I share with you what uh, we're learning at church? Because my weekend was awesome. Dot dot dot. Fill in the blank. And so we have these opportunities, but we don't prepare for them. So yeah, okay. What so, I'm learning. Yeah, that's a great way. On my way into work, I prepare what I'm going to say, so when the questions asked, I'm ready for it.
0: Okay. Okay. I like that. Let's go a step further with that security guard. Um. Disciplining yourself to stop and say. You know, Joe, I see you every morning and I always have received such a warm, welcoming smile from you. I've never asked you about your family. Are you married? Do you have kids?
2: Right. Yep.
3: Uh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm drawing near to him. You're drawing, you're building a relationship and, you know, over time, as you get to know, in my case, as I get to know these security guards, I, I know their uh, fleshly tendencies, I would say, based on on biblical discernment and like Chris and, and Israel were saying, use the times to jump into the gospel. So if it's mid last year um, and we're in the middle of COVID and 98% of the churches in Dallas-Fort Worth are closed and my security guard asked me on Monday morning, how was your weekend? Let me tell you how blessed I was to be at church because the word of God is, is feeding its people. And I'm so thankful that we did not shut down and that we've remained faithful. Um, yeah, can I invite you to church next week, knowing that this guy's probably afraid, sure. Um, and drawing near to him to encourage him to come and to be with us if he's he's a professing believer. So, so number
0: one, be ready to express um, what God is doing in your life
3: yeah, honestly and openly. You've honestly been asked.
0: Open. Two, draw near to them and ask about themselves about their family uh, this presents the third step I think which is uh, expose the need yeah so so what if this fellow says uh, well you know I've got a wife uh, and three teenage children man that's just a softball because you know I, I've I've been through the teenage years with with um, with my kids yeah bro that's tough how are you handling Parenting teenagers. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, oh, it's a piece of cake. It's great. I got it all under control. I'm the best parent ever. Yeah. Everyone says, no, it's it's a challenge. Well, then you expose the need. And guess what? The answer for every need is the gospel. Absolutely. Okay? Yep. Or I'm divorced and I'm raising kids of my own. Really? How are you handling that? That must be tough. Yep. People will express pain they'll express a need now that that doesn't mean they're going to receive the gospel as the answer to their need but it invites the gospel being shared as the solution chris you're you're thinking something there
1: yeah um a little bit off of oh sorry our producer over here is telling me to do talking to the microphone um just when when talking with with folks and aaron you're talking about building relationships um you, know, you you may go into work and say, what, how, what do I talk about? Well, the easiest thing to do is to talk about what you actually have been learning, what you actually have been studying. Right. Um, if someone asks me how my day's been, my week's been, my whatever, I could say I have been studying the book of Titus, and I continually see in this book where it says good deeds, to be an example of good deeds, to be zealous for good deeds. And I've been pondering, what does the Bible mean by good deeds and trying to identify that. And I've been thinking about that. And they may say, oh, oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> and But I may be able to, once I've done further study, really come up with a, a biblical definition of what good is and then be able to follow up with that person and intro to the gospel. Not that it all has to be in one, in one dose, but it's uh, over time. And right. to keep in that window of conversation open so it'd be just just go with what you've been studying, yeah.
0: Or how in Titus when it says, you know, uh, speak the sound doctrine that produces good deeds. You right. know, that's basically it's like people have a tendency to think, well, good just comes out of our innate nature. So yep. No, it comes out of uh, truth, right? You know, a transformed life.
2: So I think what what we're kind of saying is. Um, it is important for Christians to strive to be relationally qualified, right? Uh, The idea that we probably had in the past of a Christian evangelizing is is what? Somebody, I don't know, in the streets just yelling about the gospel? Or uh, maybe that awkward friend who doesn't talk about anything else with you except for wanting to convert you in the, you know, or, in the next or, five minutes. Or hands minutes. you a track
0: and thinks he shared the or gospel. Or hands you a track <laughs> and thinks he shared the count. gospel.
2: But what we're also not saying is uh, I think the temptation that one would have, which is if people like me, then I can kind of get them to like Jesus, yeah,
3: that's right? That's not true, is it? So
2: it's not the first step. We're not saying that by uh, drawing near to someone relationally, we're trying to oh, let's get them to know me first and open the door. That's not that's not the, the goal. The goal isn't for us, uh, for them to like us, and then they'll like the gospel. But the goal is to actually be relationally qualified to find opportunities in getting to know them to share the gospel. And I think for me personally, I always have to resist that temptation of, oh, it seems like they are not very interested in me. Therefore, I probably shouldn't share the gospel with them. So it's not about you. It's about getting to know them so that you can find that opportunity of what is the need that they have, and any need that they have uh, has for solution the gospel.
0: Yeah, is it fair to say this is a an antithetical way to put it? But uh, the gospel is offensive, uh, but we don't have to be. That's right. Okay, that's exactly and and. Uh, we must be theologically qualified. That doesn't mean we have to understand everything, but we need to understand the Word of God, and we need to use it. But that is not apart from the broken clay vessel that uh, that contains this, which is God has chosen us to be ambassadors for the king. right. And so uh, I think it's a both and. And uh, I think what I'm hearing you guys say as a practical application of these verses is one, Be ready to share confidently and boldly what you're learning, what God is doing in your life when someone who asks. They, They may not have asked specifically that, but they've asked. So share with them. Two, be ready to follow up and ask them about their lives. Give them a chance to tell you about their lives and every aspect of their life if they are apart from Christ is needy. And so that third question, that third interaction, it's like a game of tennis. I've told you about what's going on in my life. This is great stuff. Hey, tell me about your family, your children, your wife, your hobbies, whatever else. Every single one is going to fall short. All you then have to do is then follow up with, wow, how is that going for you? How are you handling that? And expose the need and then come in with the gospel.
3: And maybe I'd like to take a step back and describe the Christian character of the person that we are admonishing or encouraging to evangelize in the workplace. I think what I've seen in the past that does not work is the professing believer that goes to church for an hour, hour and a half, goes home, doesn't read their Bibles, Here's a sermon to go out and to evangelize, and now needs to check a box. We're describing the character of a Christian that is active in Christian community, meaning an actual active member of a local church body, who is being shepherded, which means they are turning from sin and submitting to scripture, submitting to church authority, and who is also shepherding others and going through the pains of giving up comfort for the sake of growing others spiritually. So we have um, a body of knowledge that comes from being a, a believer that we're ready to share. Uh, What doesn't work is someone who lives a secular life, goes to church as a professing believer, but is not acting as if they are a believer and they have nothing to talk about.
0: Yeah, I I think, I'm looking at Martine here who's producing this. I, I think about he is able to share the gospel even with his fellow seminary students on Monday. Why? Because he spent all day, Sunday, building relationships with people. Right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it, you know, you ask, you ask Martini if he could do something on Sunday, most of the time he's going to say no, because from about seven o'clock in the morning on, he's busy. He not only has church, but then afterwards, hey, he's a Latino, you know, and, and church doesn't end at noon. Correct. You know, it's it's the lunch, it's the afternoon hanging out, the, the talking, and then it's the, there's always more food on the table, right, as a Peruvian. But that's, it's an overflow. So yep. by the time it's Monday natural. comes around, it's natural. I've been ministering. I've been in yep. conversation.
3: That's a great point. Evangelism is an overflow, not a check in the box.
0: Yeah, yep. And evangelism is, uh, evangelism is not separate from discipleship. Evangelism yep. is only the first step of discipleship. Absolutely. If discipleship is um, making learners, making followers of Christ, evangelism is just the first step of, let me tell you about Jesus. Yep, yep.
2: yep. yep. And I think if if we think of it that way, realizing that it's an overflow of what we're already doing, uh, then I think we're able then to partake in the joy of sharing what hope is within us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we understand the urgency of calling people to repentance, realizing that they're in danger.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and let's let's spend a couple minutes, uh, you know, closing with this aspect. I think the other inhibitor of people having gospel-centered conversations is because, um, and to quote Martine again, they don't believe what's before their eyes. And what I mean by that is they don't see people's soul; they don't see the estate of people's souls. Is that right. a fair statement? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We we are so um, death is so foreign to us in this country. Very uh, very few people have witnessed death on on, on any sort of regular scale. Right that we, we have a tendency to see people as just the, the flesh and the clothes that they are instead of seeing them as souls who are either destined to spend eternity with Christ or eternity apart from Christ under judgment.
2: Absolutely. It is, yeah, it, yeah. I it, mean, coming from, from Africa, I, I, I can tell you that one of the biggest difference in, in just how people evangelize has to do with that urgency. I mean, when we say that you may die tomorrow— Back home, I mean, we mean it. Yeah. Uh, I just went on a trip uh, about six months ago to the Congo for 10 days. And after having been in the US for seven years, I'd, I'd almost forgotten what the conditions are. And within the first six days, I saw someone die electrocuted in my eyes. You know, I know that's, that's difficult. And I just realized I'd forgotten about this. But I'd heard right after that 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 was a guy who was having real challenges with his wife, and he wasn't leading well in his home, and he left a wife with a kid. And all I could think about was, "Oh my, what was the state of his soul?" And these are, you know, these are these happen a lot. Well, and
0: I remember you also telling me, you know, I visited my dad, I gave him the gospel again, and I said, "Well, how are things going?" You say, "Well, you know, I just I don't know." I don't know he's going to live that much longer, and I'm thinking, oh, does he have a disease? He's on a deathbed, right. and you said no, he's in his f- in his fifties, right. and the life expectancy in the Congo yep. with someone who is living like my dad, yep. odds are he's not going to make it into his sixties. That's
2: right. That's right.
0: That there's a weightiness. There is. Yeah. There
2: is a weightiness. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, good stuff, guys. Uh, thanks for being with us today, and uh, look forward to being with all of you on our next episode of Imparting.